Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Health radio show where we talk about the crossroads, the environment, and our health and longevity. With Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards is having technical issues. I would suggest going to the soundhealthportal.com, scrolling down just a bit, and click on the Watch How button. You will then see a short explainer video on how to record and submit your first recording. Then go back to the top, scroll down again to the current campaigns, and some of the current campaigns are bio-diet, PTSD, corona conflicts, and choose, and there are others there, they're rotating, the campaigns are free availabilities of software packages for you to have your vocal print run through. So go back there and scroll down to the campaigns, choose one that's of interest to you, click on that campaign and click the free voice analysis and the system will walk you through submitting your recording. You receive an email with your report back usually in one to two hours. And I'd sit down with a cup of tea and review that afterwards. Sit and read it and look at it, and if you have a practitioner such as a DO or an ND or an acupuncturist or a chiropractor who you've been working on something with, you could take it with them and go, look, we've been working on this. Could we work on that? It's a lot of information. Soundhealthportal.com. It's a great, great thing. To hear and share replays of the show, 30 to 40 minutes after you hear the outro music, go to talktomeguy.com, scroll down that page, and you'll see this show at the top of the episodes page. There are also archives of hundreds of hours of shows available there as well. There's a microphone icon at the bottom right corner of all pages. If you'd like to leave me a voice message with questions for Sherry today, or a guest idea, or just something, or you just want to say hi, or a question for me, feel free to leave me a message there, and I'll be notified. And with that, I get to bring in Sherry Edwards. I see she's connected. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Would you talk about the June 2023 keynote? Because I think that's a that's a great lead-in, particularly talking about the Ozembic, what I will call issue. And you can talk about other things, but I, I think that's a perfect lead-in to talk about pharmaceuticals and how they want to hide herbs and do things such as Ozembic. Well, it's starts with the idea that we are energy beings, but where did we, where did that come from? And according to Pythagoras, all the movements of the planets are all concentric, and it creates a sound, and that created us. And he built this whole theory about math. And then along came Jonas Kepler and said, no, the planets are elliptical. They're all in ratios. And he said, that creates a sound, but it's a sound we can't hear with our ears. It's a sound that we feel with our soul, and it's the sound, the frequency of our DNA. And so from the movements of the planets of creating structure, and I think a a a cymatic, can't remember the guy's name, but if you put sand on a... uh, a mat of some kind to run a frequency through it, it creates form. So I tend to believe that the movements of the planets created the form of us as energy, and that's our DNA, and that's also how our music is structured. So we are energy beings, 
And when we become out of tune, we call that sickness, illness. But we are here because we match and are in tune with the movements of our planets. So that's the point I was trying to make in that article. And now talk about that, the Ozembic thing that you talk about in that article, because I think that's a big deal where everybody's on the Ozembic and using it like crazy, because I have an herbal thought about that. And rebelsis and all the stuff that's following it. Well, yeah. the idea is that um, Big Pharma uh, dropped into the knowledge, the wisdom of the herbs, and I use um, the idea of foxglove, and did you tell us that foxglove was known to the ancients to help with heart issues? And Big Pharma came along and decided they would take the one piece out of the foxglove and make it into a medication and cost a lot of money. And the same thing is happening with rebelsis. They're really going after something called GLP-1. And its frequency is an early note of C, which is where we began when we look at the core collection of frequencies and color. We start with C and go right down the line and add frequencies to it, it becomes another color. So when you look at the frequency of this GLP-1, which is everywhere and it costs two, about $2,000 a month and people are using it to lose weight, but by its frequency, it is the same frequency um, as hepatic lipase. And you can get the body to create that lipase. I don't exactly know how yet, but after this research project, I will. So this is a form of diabetes from the liver. Now, if you look at hepatic lipase and pancreatic lipase, it's the same kind of issue, just from a different organ. Um, one's with sugar and one with carbs. The carbohydrates are the one that the hepatic lipase is breaking down. And you can buy that at your health food store for, what, $30, $40 a month, as opposed to the 2000 But here's the kicker. We, the people, have been taught to believe and have faith in our doctors and that's now being lost with this big COVID and, and we need to return it to our hands so that we have control. I'll give you one big example. In 2019 and we put out a, a paper about COVID and where it was coming from and we looked at the math of it because that's what we do. Um, we look at people's voices and math. We look at herbs and math, we look at genetics and math, and what it says is the COVID really messes up glutathione. Now, an article that just came out recently, and this is an important piece, if you take bromelain and add it to cysteine, acetylcysteine, it creates and makes the body create glutathione, and it will kill COVID. So here we are, all this stuff they've been trying with medicine, ivermectin and whatever else is going on, and we can go right back to herbs, have some chicken, pineapple chicken. Bromelines from um, the pineapple and poultry helps create the cysteine. So 
in order for us to get over the COVID, go right back to the herbs of how the planet supplied us with the herbs we need to keep us well. And so taking bromelain and cysteine, I know you know a lot about cysteine, together will create glutathione in the body, which fights and gets rid of COVID. And you're, you're going to make me talk about NAC. I didn't mean to talk about it now, but I can't help myself. My old friend NAC, and anybody that's been listening to myself or Sherry and I talk for a long time now, I want to say over a decade, more than a decade, fat of N-acetylcysteine, which I've been taking every day for a really long time because I live in agricultural areas where they spray all sorts of stuff into the air. And N-acetylcysteine, or NAC, is the precursor to glutathione. So if you take NAC on a regular basis, it's helping the system with glutathione, plus it has other beneficial attributes to the liver in terms of detoxing and all that. And uh, can I talk about herbs for a couple of minutes? Go for it. Okay. Because I want to jump back to what you were, taking, what you were talking about with Ozembic. It, for me, as an herbalist, in the, I started that in the 80s. They've been doing this forever. I used to, when I, had, when I was in the herb store, had a retail herb store and a selection of, largest selection of botanicals in the western United States, we had people calling from all over and getting our mail order catalog. And they would be looking for, a lot of the Europeans, there are two, two parts there, a lot of the Europeans, A, and B, we were in New Monterey, California, just down the hill from the Defense Language Institute, where people came from all over the world to study language. And all of the Russians would come in, all of the Slavic countries would come in, and they'd get valerian, which is a classic herb. It's a nervine, soothing to the nervous system. It's actually what Big Pharma then figured out a way to extract out the one thing they thought was valuable, which was Valium. But that's where valerian is originally, that's where Valium is originally sourced from before it became a chemical. And the, and it's a whole food, and the root is a whole plants, you're not taking out the things that help balance out the characteristics that can be bad for benzodiazepines, which is Valium. And they would take an ounce of valerian, a root, raw root, in pieces, and put it into a bottle of vodka, which is about a liter. And they'd let it steep for two weeks. And then they'd drink that. And I always thought, what is that about? And then I realized it was, it was acting as not only were you getting some effect from the, the vodka as a carrier, because you can make tinctures using vodka, but what they were doing was making a very concentrated tincture by taking this valerian and putting it into their vodka and steeping it for two weeks. They would then have a very strong tincture of vodka. I don't think that's what they were thinking was. I tried to figure that out, and we never could agree. But the history was that they would do that. And that leads me, so we've got knack to help the glutathione. Then I'm going to talk briefly about, I'll, I'll refer to a couple of things here. One, when I had the herb store, I used to call, collect books called the Pharmacopoeia. And the Pharmacopoeia, or Pharmacopoeia, is the book that old-timey pharmacists, who were all then compounding pharmacists, meaning that today you have to get a special pharmacist as a compounding pharmacist because they actually create a blend for you of something. Well, in the old days, they didn't have anything. So they had these pharmacopoeias, and basically it was a recipe book for how to make substances. And in the old pharmacopoeias, they would take 
cannabis leaf and they would grind it down and do this and make it into a tincture, then add it to a syrup and use that to give women for menstrual issues. Or they would take a coca leaf and grind it down and use it in a, a different kind of syrup for people who had nervous issues. Or they would take any substance, they might take something like valerian root and, comp and make a tincture out of it or figure out a way to get it to a powder form and then turn it into either a syrup or a capsule or some other thing it was more purified based on pharmacopial practices. But it was all the idea of what Sherry pointed out is that, well, I'll go back to valerian. They take valerian in the old pharmacopias and they, they process it through a series of chemical steps eventually to get out what they think is the, the thing they want, which is the Valium. But in the process of doing that, you've taken all the things that are in the actual root that support that. In other words, it's whole plant medicine with plants versus pharmaceuticals. And with the pharmaceuticals, you end up with a purified thing. And there are all the adjunctive things that we don't even know anything about, possibly, that are helping support the system, that are little micronutrients that might be having it have a different action. Because you can take a lot of valerian, and you will get relaxed, but you're not going to get addicted. You're not going to have issues from withdrawal from taking valerian. It's just a root. It's a plant. And that's what a lot of the, most of the pharmaceuticals are based on is, not all of them, but a lot of them originally were based on taking plants, purifying them in a form so that they can get you to go and see the person in the white coat, that paradigm of go see the person in the white coat. Then sort of a, another phase was a company called Shaman Pharmaceuticals, and they were based out of South Bay, San Francisco area. And what they did is a couple of years project, I don't know if they're still around, they went into the jungles, and there's a lot more to it, but basically what they did is they followed around either what is called a curandera, which is a healer in Spanish, or a shaman or whatever you want to call it, a person who would be an herbalist, go into the jungle and pick plant leaves and make blends that they would then give people and either cure them or something or help them feel better or somehow bring them into harmony, I'll call it that, using whole plant medicine. They'd grind it, they'd paste it, they'd cook it, they wouldn't cook it. There are a lot of different ways of processing herbs. And so for a long time, the shaman pharmaceuticals people would go down and study these medicine people wandering around in the forest gathering herbs to make product. But they could never figure it out because it didn't always seem the same. And what, that was because a lot of the, those indigenous peoples had more of a relationship with the plants, and they would actually say that plants would talk to them. And what that means is they would have a relationship with the plant and know that this person that they're working with right now might need a slightly different formulation. And that was something that Charmin Pharmaceuticals could never get or copy because it wasn't a go out, get this, put it, you know, grind it down and put it in a capsule. And that's very much the, the pharmaceutical world is take a perfectly good root, well, like as Sherry talked about, digitalis. Digitalis in its whole plant formula is still tricky to work with. However, it's a whole plant factory of micronutrients. Whereas what Western medicine does is it takes the, the digitalis, the specific extract of digitalis out of the plant, uses that to work on balancing the heart, but they've taken all, all those micronutrients that, that are in there that we don't know anything about. Really, we don't know everything. I know we think we know everything. 
but that's why I have always liked working with plants because each plant unto itself is a whole plant product. And that includes where it's grown, all the micronutrients nutrients in the soil. Everything about it is in whatever you're taking. And, and it balances itself. Yes. Yeah. It has micronutrients in it that we don't even know about yet, I bet. I mean, I'm certain people are doing all sorts of magical things looking at with a photo, I forget what that's called, photoassay, a plant medicine trying to figure it out, but each plant can be slightly different, and even from different regions. Um, but plant medicine has been around for a long, long, long time. I mean, Chinese plant medicine has been around for thousands of years. And I think it's a difference between playing one note, one note, one note, or a chord. The chord is everything that goes together to make that pleasing or acceptable to your ears. And the same thing with herbs. It's either one little piece of it or the whole court that's going on. Well, that's a great way of saying it. I love that. Because it is what I was thinking about when you were talking about the keynote. It is about harmonics. And I think that's part of what they missed with shaman pharmaceuticals is that there is a certain harmonics that these people that live in the jungles that have relationships with the plants, they are in harmony with nature. And it's the same yeah. thing Sherry's talking about, is helping bring us back into harmony. It's not just about, it's like that small child who sits at the piano and just tink, 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 tink. It's not that. It's, I don't play the piano, so I can't even make up words about playing the piano. But making chords, is that right, Sherry? Chords? Yes. Okay. The notes that belong together all at once. Do you remember Gwen Olson that we, you've had on the show? Oh, sure. Yes, yes, yes. When she worked for a pharmaceutical company and was very good at it, and they put her in charge of teaching people. And the first thing they wanted to teach her was you must get the doctors to agree to give the babies vaccines the very first day of life. Because, and we wrote a paper about this, and there's a quote. It's, if we can get these babies on these vaccines, we have created a customer for life. So that means to me that these pharmaceutical companies are operating out of greed, not out of empathy. Now, Gwen quit her job and wrote a book, something about uh, confessions from a legitimate drug pusher. And Something like that, they yes. Went, yeah. They went after her, and she's in hiding. But that's what's going on. The difference between the greed, putting money in your pocket, or the empathy for the sick person. And her book spells it out so well. And she was also on one of Jeff Hayes' videos about doctors. And she said the same thing. And she's one of the most truthful people I have ever met. Now, I do vocal analysis from people's vocal prints, and she and Ron Paul both are very truthful people. And what my concern is, it's going to come a time when medicine is rationed. You live here. You give us permission to have your children. Uh, you do this for us, or we're going to ration your insulin or your pain pills. Now, we, we've taken pain pills apart and made frequencies help people with pain so that's available right now 
but I want to do it with insulin. And we just had a woman here this weekend visiting, and we're trying to duplicate the medication through sound and herbs through sound to help people get rid of herpes. And I think that's a very valuable thing to get to share with the public. So we're combining what pharmaceuticals did, what herbs has to offer, what the person's vocal prints are telling us, and to make available frequencies for the public so they don't have to be under the thumb or threat of big pharma. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. And Gwen Olson's book was Confessions of an Rx Drug Pusher. Okay. I and she was a sweet, kind, one of the nicest people, kindest, most gentle. And I think one day she woke up in the middle of her job and went, what am I doing? And had bad words. <laughs> and wrote the book and left the country. Yes, because they gave her a seven-figure salary and a big car, and she yeah. just decided, based on a family member that had been given pharmaceutical drugs for some kind of mental issue, she started studying in that and finding out that a lot of these teenagers that were really acting out with guns and a lot of violence had been on pharmaceuticals. And she said, it's not the kids, it's the pharmaceuticals that they are forcing them on that's causing this bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So as as men, as people who are trying to run the world, we're ruining it. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Um, I want to talk for a minute about a, a starting point, since what we're talking about is being more self-contained in a certain way, or ready. Now, I grew up in earthquake country, so I've always sort of had this is a thing of being what, what people are now calling being prepped. I've always been prepped because I've had a go bag in the back of my car since I could drive. Go bag means that you have water and blankets and maybe some food and snacks because in big earthquake country, sometimes you can't get back to the house. I've been in earthquakes where you haven't had power for two weeks. So I, I sort of have prepping as a, a general lifestyle. And one of the things I would suggest to people, this is a really easy thing to do once you do it once or twice, is that you find an herb that you're interested in, like let's say echinacea. Echinacea is a good blood purifier. It's a good thing to have around. You can take it into tea. It's a little earthy, rooty flavored, so people aren't very fond of that. Or you can do something like making a tincture. And a tincture can be made using uh, vodka, brandy, rum, whiskey, or apple cider vinegar, but that gets a little trickier, so I'll leave that one aside. And what I do, I prefer using vodka from potatoes because it doesn't involve grains at all, and I just think it's a cleaner vodka. And you take, I'll put all this in the show notes, you take 100 grams of the dried root, you put it into like a bell jar, which is just a canning jar, empty, and you put that 100 grams into the jar. And you put in 500 milliliters of potato vodka. I'm talking in millimeters and grams because when you start making tinctures, it's much easier to think this way versus three and a half ounces is 100 grams. It's just a lot easier to start thinking in grams and milliliters. So you put the echinacea in the bottom of the jar, you put that 500 milliliters of potato vodka on top of it or your liquor of your choice, and you cover it with a good sealing lid like a belt jar lid you shake it for a couple minutes, and then you put it in a cool, dark place, and once a day you shake it for about 30 seconds to a minute. And that's all. And you let it 
do what is called macerate, which means it's going to help break it down. The alcohol is going to break down the vital nutrients out of that echinacea and shake it for about a minute a day, and you do that for two weeks. And at the end of that two weeks, you take, take that, what will now be a sort of a muddier colored thing, and put it into a colander with a piece of cheesecloth or muslin in it, and you dump that all in and let it drain into a bowl. And then after the, most of the liquid has run through, then you can squeeze that cloth and get the rest out. And then you can either put that into a larger jar or a bottle. I prefer dark bottles just because it makes it last a lot longer. And you can, if you have dropper bottles around available, there you can buy them at most of the stores, the health food stores now. You can put it in a two or four ounce jar, a bottle, excuse me, with a dropper, and you can have a series of those, or you can keep a main jar filled with it and just use a two ounce for when you need it. And you've got your own echinaceous tincture. Yes, it takes a little time, takes a little bit of practice to get used to doing it. But once you do it, you've got it. That tincture is now good for about five years if you keep it cool and dark. And once you learn how to make tinctures, well, I would probably do three dropperfuls a day if I was working on if I if something was actually coming on, I would probably take three dropperfuls a day. You can just squirt it in your tongue, in your mouth. It's going to be a little like, wow, what is that? Because you're getting the full essence of the echinacea along with the vodka. And or you could start into a juice. Mm, I would put it into some kind of liquid, not a food, just because it'll get into your body more available, more readily. And once you start making it and you see how easy it is to do, it just takes time and you have a good, you find a, a low, either a local herbalist or find a good company online that you like. Even Etsy has some pretty good people distributing their herbs. You can get all sorts of things, and you can start making things like you know nerve tonics, which are good for a tonic is a long-term beneficial effect. So you could make a combination of let's say valerian, passionflower, skullcap, and vervain. Those are all really good nervines. A nervine means that it's a nerve that's beneficial and soothing to the nervous system, and also because the tonic. They're all tonics, meaning long-term beneficial effect, that they're actually helping support to the nervous system, not just flatline it, like with a benzodiazepam, which is a Valium family. In other words, it's not just dulling things, it's actually soothing the nervous system and neutrifying the nervous system. And Do you have you a can... favorite adaptogen? Do you have a favorite adaptogen, like echinacea? Is that an overview thing, or is this for something specific? Well, the, that particular blend is all nervine tonics, so they're nervines. For an adaptogen, I would like, well, it could be, uh, currently I'm really liking ashwagandha because either, both, either men or women can both take adaptogens like that. And also, uh, I would almost put echinacea in as an adaptogen, whereas they're, they're adaptogenic, they'll help you, they'll help the body get back to kind of what Sherry's work does get back into homeostasis or balance. And the reason I'm leaning toward ashwagandha these days is that I find that everybody is so uh, what I would call hypertonistic, and that means tightly wound. That's a very polite way of saying tightly wound. And I find that with ashwagandha, it helps bring some of that tension down. Once again, you're not, medicinally they call it a soporific, not ashwagandha, but in general, things like benzodiazepines and those kind of downer drugs 
are really you know really scrunching things down so you're in a more narrow pathway, but you don't feel very much. Whereas with ashwagandha, you're calmer, I'll call it smoother and more at ease, not artificially, but because the whole system is seeing more at ease. So I really like ashwagandha. Uh, Long-term adaptogens are, uh, for men, is uh, ginseng, classic is ginseng. And for women, the long-term similar is a Don Kwai, which also has soothing, bitter qualities to it in terms of a flavor. And and those are things that, that's sort of in the realms of the Chinese medicine. They've been using those and many other herbs for thousands of years. But those are two of the big lit-up ones, like ginseng and Don Kwai. Uh, ginseng has been popular for a really long time, and Don Kwai has been popular in the past three to five hundred years. Um, in the sense that company that you can get these from if people don't want to make them? I don't off the top of my head because I know people who I just call, uh, who are friends who grow them. And as I know herbalists who are growing products. I'll look around and if I can find somebody I like, it might be Green, uh, used to be Green Mountain, I'll find something and put it in the show notes, some reliable place that has good products. Because that's really it. Once you... Once you find somebody who's growing good herbs, there's probably somebody in your town who's an herbalist who's growing stuff. You just never paid attention to it. You thought their garden was lovely, but you just never paid attention to it because a lot of the herbs are really quite nice to look at, like Echinacea is a tall, sort of not sunflower height, but sort of a beautiful orange-yellow blossom with a dark center that's really a lovely hedge. Not hedge, but, you know, it's a big plant. But I'll try and find one and put it in notes one of the things we're trying to do is relate what's going on in your voice with something like ashwagandha. Now, that's a note of G, because I just decoded it the other day. So if you have the note of G very low in your chart, and you can go to our workstation, soundhealthportal.com, and get your voice analyzed and see what notes you mean, we should put out as some kind of a paper that shows if you're craving this color, it'd be this kind of an adaptogen. So turquoise is the number associated with the color associated with the numbers of ashwagandha. So that well, would be a wonderful thing that we could put out. That would be great. I would love that. That would be an awesome thing to have because one of the other herbs I was going to point out and this, I don't know why this herb is sort of a, splice, a, a sleeper uh, in the indigenous, the American Indian indigenous crew and others. There's an herb called OSHA, O-S-H-A, which is, um, if you work with herbs a lot, you kind of develop a, I don't know, a relationship or a rapport with some particular herbs. It just happens. And that's always been OSHA for me. And when I used to work in retail, like in the herb store, I'd always have a little piece of OSHA in my mouth because it would keep away illness from others. Not in a boogie-boogie way, which I'm not opposed to oogie-boogie, but not in a spiritual way, but in an actual medicinal way. Um, but for most people, it's too, it, it's bitter, slightly bitter, not as bitter as uh, golden seal, but slightly bitter with a slightly sweet overtone. And to have it around... It's always in my apothecary. I always have tincture of OSHA around because it's one of those things that if I'm feeling anything off, I'll go immediately start taking OSHA. Uh, and it's a greater, but I don't know that it's, that would be a wonderful one to know what note that is. 
uh, that's a great idea. I love the idea of the chart with notes and colors for herbs. So that's an adaptogen to you. It keeps you calm. Yes, and it is an adaptogen. So the whole thing that we're talking about is the body as a compilation of frequencies, and we need to put it back in tune. Herbs do that. Thoughts do that. Medicine does that. Exercise does that. So with the herbs, we're looking to put the body back into full stasis, which is what we do with vocal analysis. But I really would like for people to have a way to do this on their own without me. Yes, we have this free workstation for people to look at what's going on, but for them to take their responsibility, okay, I'm going to do this with herbs, I'm going to do this with food, I'm going to have some pineapple chicken because that will produce the glutathione that will help me get away from all of the, uh, what do you call them, the bad stuff that COVID brought around. So in looking at all this, it's um, getting us back to a stasis, perfection, perfect form and function. Somebody just sent me a thing today about teeth and that a lot of gum and teeth issues are coming out of people who are sick with COVID, and they said that horsetail has a lot of silica in it, and that will help save people's teeth. So do you have anything, a horsetail, to tell people about? Or do you make tinctures? Do you take it? Do you buy it at um, the I would, I would take it as a tincture uh, because it is so high in silica. It's a great herb, but it's not something I'd want to drink. I mean, you could. I, I have put it in blends. It sort of has a straw-like quality to it. That's what it looks like. It's a little uh, strawy, and it is very high in silica, so I think you want to be taking it as a tincture versus a tea because I think it could be stressful on the kidneys. That's my personal view as an old herbalist. Um, I don't have fact on that, but I think it will definitely... It's, it's an old... Uh, I think it was actually a, either a homeopathic or a cell salt that uses horsetail that you can take, and it really helps the skin because it is very high in silica and it's really good for all tissues. And I, it totally makes sense why it would be great for the mouth. Uh, there's a woman I know who used to be a dental hygienist who has a whole line of products. I just can't think of her name right now. I'll, I'll try and dig that up. But I like horsetail. I think it come, I want to jump to, I think a lot of the stuff that we have going on eventually points at some kind or form of inflammation. Yes. And then tracking back to what the point of origin of that inflammation is, because one of the actions of bromelain, which you can also get by, as, as Sherry says, by chewing on pineapple, which who wouldn't want pineapple? But in an urgent situation, you can also get these little chewy tabs at the health food store that are papaya enzymes. And when any time I either have an injury or I have a friend who's, you know, just got a swollen ankle or a knee, I would tell them to immediately go get some bromelain, or actually most of my friends are so tired of hearing about it, they have it in their cabinet, and start <laughs> chewing on them, because it'll it's true. And they'll just start chewing them, and they'll call the next day, and they're like, I can't believe how much better it is, because the bromelain goes into the system, very much akin to the enzyme serapeptase, they both have the same action, go into the system and help gobble up the 
inflammatory goo that occurs around an injury and help reduce the inflammation. And I think horsetail is in that same family. I just think of bromelain and papaya and serapeptase as more potent forms of that. But for toning the tissue, I think toning and strengthening the tissue, the skin, the mucous membranes, the sinuses, all the mucoid, mucal surfaces, I think horsetail is great. Doesn't cysteine happen with that too? And they take yeah, care of mucus. Yeah. yeah. In the book well, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that NAC, back to my friend NAC, I can't go a show without talking about it. N-acetylcysteine is also a mucolytic. And what that means is it helps break down the mucus in the system, and it'll either pass out through the urine or the bowels. So you don't have to cough it up, you don't have to do anything, and it really does help break that mucus down in the system along with everything else that it does. The book you mentioned, Pharmacopoeia, does it give instructions on how to do these tinctures and what to do with this herb or can you eat this leaf but poison yourself with the stem? Or is there a book that No, it's more that? it's more it's more of a cookbook for pharmacists. That's demeaning pharmacists and I and I have a great appreciation for pharmacists. I just think they're doing the wrong things. Uh, but I their skill set. Like um oh boy, Christine Arsenault, the woman who's the uh, I interviewed her a couple times because she came a Lyme's Lyme's special, uh, specialist. Was a pharmacist, trained pharmacist. So pharmacists have phenomenal amounts of knowledge. It's just that they end up sliding pills into a bottle rather than getting to use their knowledge. Okay, that's over. Now I uh, talk about uh, books. I really like, I'm trying to find my list here. I had a list of several books that I really like. This is an older, I'm going to name older books because I'm older. Um, One by Michael Tierra, I'll put this in the show notes, called The Way of Herbs, was a good collection of stories about the herbs, information about the herbs, but actual recipes for how to blend and what to do and how to make them. And he's an interesting mix because he's a leans toward the oriental medicine side. I can't remember if he's an acupuncturist or not. He might be. But he's an old school herbalist. And I just think it's a really good book that's easy to read, has easy to follow information in it. And you know, it's, just, it's a great resource on, for anybody to have on their shelves. Um, another one, well, this will lead me to talk about something a little, it's quirky, but I like it so much I can't not. There was a great herbalist, well, she's still with us, uh, Rosemary Gladstar, who was the founder of the California School of Herbal Studies a bazillion years ago. So long ago that we actually knew each other. We used to talk from my herb store. I'd talk to her. She's just north of me in Forestville, California. And she came up with this quirky thing that became somewhat of a controversy only because it was her formula, her recipe, and then people started putting it out there like it was in public domain information. And it started just to, in the herbal community, a dust up of like, well, you stole my formula. And eventually she was like, okay, you can have this. And I will put this in the show notes again. This is called Fire Cider. And it's a blend of, it's using apple cider vinegar to make the extraction. And you have onion, ginger, horseradish, garlic, and frequently echinacea, and sometimes turmeric. And again, the same thing, you would put all those in there, chopped up, and 
for apple cider. In her case, she's using apple cider vinegar, and I think she's taking advantage of the, if you're using an unprocessed and unpasteurized vinegar, like Dr. Bronner's, you're going to actually have some of that mother in there, which is this sort of filmy stuff that forms in the bottom that makes vinegar. So you're going to get to take advantage of the fermentation of that to help break down the, those onions, ginger, garlic, horseradish, echinacea. And you're going to have preserving action. And so you're going to let that treat it kind of, it is a tincture. It's just not, that's not what she calls it, but it is a tincture. And when you feel anything coming on, you take like three teaspoons a day and black, it's going to just knock it out. It is, it's really good. It's so good that she actually wrote a book called 101 Zesty Recipes for Health Boosting Remedies Made with Apple Cider Vinegar. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, and that's a great. Have that on their shelf. Everybody should have that on their shelf. That and yeah. NAC. You know, yeah. NAC, vitamin C, uh, more NAC, and rosemary's fire cider. With that, you'd get through the flu season, I think, without, uh, you know, anything whatsoever. And the last one I was going to say, you know, I, I love the pharmacopias because they're fascinating to read. But that's something more, once you, if you find that you have a relationship with herbs and you want to start doing more with them, the pharmacopoeias are great sources for recipes. But they're not going to tell you how to do it. You have to kind of develop the, like, how to make a tincture, how to do that, or how to make a, a salve or an ointment, because that's a whole other area. That's some of the things that uh, Tierra talks about in his book, is how to make your own salves, so that if you have a wound or an owie, you can just smear some of this on it, and it'll help it heal much faster. So that's why I like those three books. Well, you are a plethora of information. And you talk <laughs> a lot about um, the environment and keeping the environment good and clean and uh, livable. And I think what we're talking about is the domain of the human body. Yeah. There is, there is a frequency set. I like to refer to this as us being robots that can be um, managed with frequency mm. and to know what the frequency is and what herb matches it and what you need to give somebody I think is incredibly important in all these books that you're talking about but there is also a way for people to know what their own frequency is and to listen to it every moment when I give someone a sound, when you give them an herb, it, is, it needs to be for the moment so people can hear their own sounds. And it comes out of their ear and it's a manifestation of the brain. And I've written an article about it that I'd like to share with people. It's, if you Please. can moan, you can tone. And if people would like a copy, I'll give it to you for the show notes. Or they can just write to me, Sherry, S-H-A-R-R-Y, on air at Gmail, and I will send them a copy of it because we started the whole show with this idea that the universe is frequency, we're frequency, our DNA is frequency, our cells are frequency, and that's what we're trying to um, change, make perfect. I don't know what the, the word is. But one of the things is if we're healthy, we feel good, we can do more, we can elevate the, the universe, we can be creative. And so that's what I like about herbs and giving people the tools to do their own thing. That's, that's my cry 
Well, I agree, and that's why Sherry and I <laughs> uh, met, you know, 120 years ago, it seems like. And we have the same thing in mind that, you know, I'm, I'm a prepper as a lifestyle because, as I say, I grew up in earthquake country, and you always had to be ready. And I just think that having your own herbs, once you start using herbs and having tinctures around, or you can do medicinal teas, but it's a little more work, and the flavor is often a little ooky for people. So I think tinctures are a great way of getting them in. Once you get comfortable making it a first step using an alcohol tincture, just to get the process of it's really quite simple once you get used to doing it. And well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we've knocked out Mother Earth and the vegetables and the poisons. Do you have any kind of herbal solution to uh, make the vegetables less toxic? That's kind of a different... Yeah, I mean, you could... I do have a show coming up with people talking about oral chelation or using IV chelation to draw toxins out of the system. And I will also mention that the uh, people, the Beam Minerals people that I've interviewed a couple of times, Carol Allen, the founder of that, I'm really becoming more and more a fan of uh, they produce whole-spectrum minerals. And they produce a fulvic mineral, and then they produce a humic film mineral. And the humic mineral has a lot of qualities of detoxification. Uh, it has, I, I can't quite explain the how, but I know the, I can see it in my mind, that it forms, a, the humic will go into the system and form a, a shell or a mm, structure of some kind around toxins like glyphosate in the body so it can pass out of the body without hanging out. And I know that they also can do, they're doing work in remediation of soil using humic minerals or formulas, that they can work that into the soil and slowly it will begin to pull those toxins out of the soil. You can actually remediate the soil because if a farmer wants to go from standard farming to certified organic, I think it's a three to five year process. And I think with the humic minerals, they could probably speed that up. But that's, a, that's the current FDA standards. That's how long it takes. And it's really true. Once you have, well, I almost said a bad word, once you have stuff in your soil, like glyphosate <laughs> or in a dicamba, you know, pick any of the number, or DDT, what I was dusted as a, dusted with as a child. In the I soil, it's hard to get out. I want Pardon? to share something exciting about those minerals. The one, yes. the electro minerals, whichever one that is. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen damage from COVID, and it's creating ALS and Parkinson's, and um, oh, good grief, MS. And giving them those minerals helps get rid of the buzz they feel in their body, like their their nerves are kind of uh, at alert. So we've been using some of those since we heard that lady on your show. It's wonderful stuff. That That's really interesting. I'll have to ask her about that. She's been doing a lot more research. I'm going to have her back on pretty soon. They're on the road currently doing a lot of major events. But I'll have her back on and talk about that because that's really interesting. That kind of makes sense because I think a lot of that nerve buzz that some of those conditions get is a sensitivity to toxins because our, our planet and our systems are also to toxically overloaded. 
You know, we were yeah. humans were designed, built, structured, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we're rather squishy, soft, pink things for the most part. And we don't have a lot of defenses. And we weren't really built to defend from all these ridiculous toxins that get dumped into our streams and our rivers or our air or through fire or through stupidity or through... Uh, most of you used another bad word. You know, government approving things like the EPA decided to postpone ruling on glyphosate for another two years. Really? I so, thought yeah, they rendered it that. a carcinogen. carcinogen. I thought they rendered it a carcinogen. Well, they did, but they put off making a solid ruling. Say, the EPA put off the ruling of saying you can't use it anymore, period. Oh, good grief. You know, one of the yeah. things that has come up recently is a glymph system, like glymph, only with a G. Mm-hmm. It carries yes. out a lot of these toxins when you're asleep at night and the body's pulsating in the spinal fluid. And people can get an evaluation of their glymph system by just going to our sound health portal. So we've given people a lot of things to think about, adaptogens, record your voice, uh, do your own singing or moaning, do herbs to encourage people to take care of themselves. I think that empowers people when you give them all of this information on how to make these things. It empowers them to take control and be their own best friend for their own body. So I'm, I'm thinking about you as a master herbalist doing a uh, whole series. Like one of the things that happens with... Um, COVID is their guts get really bad and they can't digest things. So there's mm-hmm. slippery elves. There's probably other things for leaky gut. So what do you think about doing a series of helping people through those things with your herbs and, and gas? That's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm kind of leaning in toward longevity and that goes right with all that because you can only live long if you're healthy. To a certain extent, I mean, you can have conditions and stuff. We have to be, and, and our gut seems to be a thing. I've been looking a lot lately at uh, berberine, which can be extracted from a number of things. I don't know how the, well, actually, pharmacy, pharmaceuticals haven't gotten a hold of it yet. Berberine can be extracted from something like golden seal or barberry root or a number of other herbs, and it's a bitter, it's a bitter tasting, almost uh, MSM-like tasting substance. I forget who that gentleman was we interviewed years ago, but had a powdered something that was powdered sulfur. That was it. It does have that kind of sulfur quality. But the berberine is showing to have a lot of a very similar action as the ozimbic. I mean, it helps balance out blood sugar levels. It has benefit to the liver. I know that because it's a bitter herb, and most bitter herbs have benefit to the liver. Uh, Detoxification, and it's also showing that it's having some benefit to getting the gut being back to balance so that it's healthy and doing its thing. One of the other things, I'm jumping here, but it's still about the gut, fermented foods. Fermented foods are really, 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 really good for our digestive systems. And I don't mean you have to go out and start loving kimchi. I happen to love kimchi. Kimchi is a fermented uh, Korean product, so it's oftentimes very spicy, which I enjoy. But it's very much like cabbage, uh, taking cabbage and cutting it up and making it into coleslaw, only not coleslaw, you're making it into sauerkraut. 
And if it's sauerkraut, that means that it's fermented, especially if it's not. The trick with sauerkraut is if you're going to buy, well, in the grocery store I go to, I can get non-pasteurized. Anything that is pasteurized that's fermented, like even if you're getting kefir, which is a wonderful sort of milk product that's fermented, if it's pasteurized, they've killed everything in it. Even if it's flash pasteurized, they have fancy words now, like flash pasteurized. It's still killing everything in it. Because in the process of killing the bad, yeah, they're killing everything, the good stuff and the bad stuff. So you're just drinking like, I don't know what, stuff. But if you go into making your own things like either sauerkraut or any kind of ferment, you can ferment anything. You could chunk up cucumbers and carrots and some garlic in a jar, put vinegar in it and some spices that you like. I would put a chili pepper in there because I can't help myself. And let that ferment even in the fridge for a couple for a week or so and then take it back out and then eat those vegetables. They're going to be slightly fermented. They work better if you have them outside for about 24 hours. And in those, you don't put them in a sealed jar. You put, like, cheesecloth over the top of the rubber band because they'll actually bubble. But then refrigerate them, and they're fermented. Fermented is good for our guts. And and talking about the vinegar, they say vinegar and lemon and cinnamon right before you go to bed will really help the body detoxify while you're sleeping. Well, I know that I we have about six minutes. Okay, because I wanted to ask you about something, but go ahead. You want to say something too? Well, yeah. Another thing is back to back to pasteurize. If you get something like Dr. Bronner's, the same people that make the soap have been making um, vinegar for bazillions of years, and it's not pasteurized. So that when you get it in the grocery store, the residue in the bottom of the bottle is actually what is called the beginning of the mother. Because when you make vinegar, you have this, it's a weird, slimy-like thing in the bottom, like a disc, like a jellyfish that's been flattened, and it's, it's called the mother. And the mother is what converts the wine or the liquids into vinegar. And so if you get Dr. Bronner's vinegar, and there are other organic vinegars, I just happen to know them, and they don't pasteurize theirs, that you can take a little bit of that in water several times a day, and that little tiny amount is going to, again, have some benefit to your gut because there are active probiotics in that vinegar. Okay, go ahead. COVID's really messing that up, and because their gut is messed up and leaky gut and things aren't being pulled out the way they ought to, everybody is experiencing um, inflammation and turmeric. How can they best take turmeric? Or is turmeric well, good for inflammation? No, no, turmeric's good for inflammation. I like turmeric for inflammation. You could take it, I think, better as a tincture. It's a little hard to digest. So taking it in capsules, I mean, you could take it in capsules. I could, I have the digestive system of a goat. So I can eat <laughs> any substance and it'll break it down. It's just always how I've been. But I think, again, the tinctures, you can get... Um, Actually, oddly enough, not my favorite store in the world, Whole Foods actually has a line of organic turmeric. And I know the person who grows their organic turmeric, and it's really beautiful permaculture-grown organic turmeric. So you could permaculture means the whole process is completely regenerative, completely restorative to the earth that it's being grown in. And no chemicals, no anything. And you could take that fresh ginger, I mean fresh, well, actually a little ginger in there too, 
don't let me forget that. I would make a combination of turmeric herb, root, fresh if possible, and the same thing with a little bit of ginger. And in the world of herbs, uh, we'll use the word stimulants. Now, there are stimulants that are like, get you jacked up, stimulants like Yohimbi. And or the, the, the other term we use more commonly as a stimulant is we consider cayenne and ginger both stimulants. But in that sense, what we mean is that they're helping carrying the whole thing into the system. They're used to stimulate to carry the rest of the substances into the body. So they're used it that way as a stimulant. So the idea of taking turmeric, a little bit of ginger, and making a tincture out of that would be a great way to get benefit from both of those because ginger has a benefit to, the again, the digestive system. Ginger is also a great anti-inflammatory, and you can never go wrong with ginger. But in the tincture, all it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little spicy from the ginger, but not that much, and you're going to probably take it into some kind of liquid. And the same thing with it. Fresh turmeric is more has a little bit more slightly bitter with a sweet overtone quality to it. But that just that alone, those two together in a tincture would be fabulous. Or if you're brave, you can steam them and chop them, chop them up slightly and steam them and throw into like any kind of thing that you're eating. That's what I would do. But I like the flavor of both of those. Is there any cautions like don't put ginger with Tabasco or something because it'll make you sick? Is there any such things, warnings like that people should know? Nothing I, just I can made immediately think of. Yeah, thank you. I think that I can think of, I, I think that it's good, especially when you're starting out making your first tinctures, it's good to start out making one single tincture. And actually, it's really cool once you have, let's say, a half a dozen herbs as a tincture, individual tinctures, like turmeric and ginger and ashwagandha and, well, so go to go in there just to confuse everybody. Go to cola is for mind benefit and maybe some uh, ginseng. So that once you have all of those, then you can go every morning to your little apothecary area and put like a half a dropper full of each of those into the bottom of a cup and pour hot water on it and have a wonderful tea. Um, or if you're feeling a little off, if you're feeling, you know, you're, you're treating yourself. And when you're treating yourself with herbs, you're treating yourself with things that are whole. Even though they're extracted, they're still a whole plant medicine unto themselves. And then you begin to formulate them and use them for different reasons. But I, that's a long-winded answer to, I can't think of anything and say, never, ever put turmeric with blue yarrow. You know, there's nothing like that. that are, there would be herbal combinations where you, it wouldn't make sense to put certain things together. Like I can't see putting back to Yohimbi, which is an herb. It's a, it's a stimulant, stimulant herb, classic like stimulating to the body. It's actually traditionally used by belly dancers. So that might explain why they can move so fast. But you know, you wouldn't want to combine something like Yohimbi with Gota Cola or Skullcap because they're counterproductive to each other. But they're not deleterious to each other. They're just counterproductive. So it's more like a counterproductive thing. Big Pharma is not going to like people doing it for themselves because they're going <laughs> to lose money. It was yeah. it eight billion dollars last year they made on pain pills. Yeah. Yeah, and we have big money. formulas for that. I would yeah. like to leave people with this idea. The keynote. There we go. I write Thank a you. column every month for the Masters of Health, and in there I put the keynote. The frequencies are coming to the earth. We started this in the beginning. Here's the movements of the planets creating a frequency. These frequencies come to the earth, 
And the ones for June are all about uh, pregnancy and fertility. So if you don't have that in mind as a goal for June, be extra careful. <laughs> Thank you. That's very nicely put. Yeah, be careful. Go for a long walk. <laughs> well, Sherry, that was great. Where can people find your keynotes besides MOH? Yeah, are they on your uh, other, uh, Sound Health Options? Yeah, they're on our uh, site, soundhealthoptions.com. But okay. somebody has got a hold of our site, and they're turning it on and off almost hourly. So if people want to write to me, uh, just the Sherry on air, I can send them maybe the last three months of, of keynotes. Okay. Okay. And well, they can, as you said, they can find them at Masters of Health. I'll put that in the yes. show notes as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that was fun. This has been great. Thank you. You're, you're a wonderful plethora of information about herbs. It's just a box of marbles in my brain bouncing around. It's amazing <laughs> up there. But thank you. I enjoy talking about herbs. Herbs are, herbs are a great ally. They're a great thing to have around. I really think that it doesn't even need to be in the prep kind of category, although it sort of has become vogue to talk about being prepared. But I think it really is just having your own old-timey people had things in their cabinets so that if you got sick, they could make soup or do something for you. And I think we should be doing more of that. I think it ends Absolutely. better. That's my opinion. Now, people are afraid now to even go to the hospital for something. Yeah, so that's a whole other show. You need to give them... Don't get... <laughs> Both of us will start that. Sherry, that was great. Thank you. And everybody a week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.